0: Matthew uh, chapter 18, 1 to 14 is what we'll be looking at. I would like you all to close your Bibles right now. That's right. I say close your Bibles, turn off your phone. And uh, the first verse in this passage is a question. I would like to read the question. And before you see Jesus's answer, I would like you to think about what your answer would be. What do you think the answer is going to be? to this question. This question will guide the whole rest of the message today. So here is the question in Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus, that's a given. (laughs) And I think they did know that. But uh, it seems like the disciples, um, this came up a few other times in the Gospels, and it sounds like the the disciples thought about this a lot. Maybe they talked about it, maybe they argued about it uh, a lot, Uh, as they got closer to the time where they were going to go to Jerusalem, and they were still thinking in terms of Jesus setting his throne up in Jerusalem, and some wild thing happening there, and God's kingdom is now on earth, and... And they were wondering what part they were going to have in it. Uh, Hopefully a good part, right? Uh, I mean, these were the disciples. They were close to Jesus. Maybe we're going to be, maybe we'll be in charge. Maybe we'll each have a whole country to ourselves. Maybe we'll have servants serving us. I mean, we're the great ones, right? Uh, Maybe they were thinking, this is great. We're in such a good position. Uh, We're going to really have it well. I wonder who's the best. Uh, maybe Peter's saying, I'm probably going to be a little higher than you, John. Uh, John, I don't know, remember? Uh, well, they didn't run to the grave. That's later. He beat him there. But uh, maybe they, they argued about it. There's definitely a sense that they talked a lot about this. It was on the disciples' mind. Who is the greatest? As they were heading towards Jerusalem, who's the greatest? Isn't that the thing you should be thinking about? What was Jesus thinking about? While he was on his way to Jerusalem. Was he thinking about setting up a throne and have everyone serving him? The opposite. He was going to die on a cross for the sins of the world. Wow. That's what he was thinking. And what were the disciples thinking? There you have it. Have they even come to Jesus and ask him? We've been arguing, Jesus, who's the best? I think it's Peter. I think it's John. Who is it? Go ahead and tell us. Uh, and his answer is going to surprise them. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's what he's going to talk about here today. I thought, you know, it'd be neat to have someone else read a verse here. So uh, I decided I'm going to have someone right here in the chapel come on up here and read Jesus' answer. I'm actually going to have a few people today come on up. And I thought, why don't I have the greatest person at and Dry Bible Chapel? Who is the greatest among the people sitting in these pews today and the sick at home? I considered wisdom. I considered uh, teaching. I considered years of experience. I considered uh, serving the other saints. I considered uh, what they've done, what they've said over the years. The years as as a leader, the greatness of all the people sitting here in these pews. Uh, I considered um, their service. I considered which pew you sit in. Uh, I considered uh, the clothing you wear on Sunday mornings and what you bring to potluck when it's time for potluck. I considered so many spiritual things, like the disciples were probably doing. Uh, and I did come up with some people that might just be the greatest. One of the greatest here at Titan Drive Bible Chapel, right here in our midst, that I am going to have come up and read these verses. Cynthia Hawkins, can you come on up here? You, can stand here? you probably can't see her back there. The greatest at and Drive. Well, she'll stand on a stool, so maybe you guys can see her better. Could you? Could you read Jesus's answer? Just, just a second. Can you guys hear that? Okay, try now. And he called the child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Excellent job. Thank you. You can have a seat. Not the answer they were looking for, was it? Uh, he's really going to gonna tell them, you know, you're thinking disciples is all wrong. Uh, you're thinking about climbing the ladder of success, about all the big stuff and maybe being in charge and people serving you. Who's the greatest? And Jesus said, no. The greatest in my kingdom has to do with how humble you are. The people who don't think about uh Who's going to be the greatest in serving them? It's the people who are serving others. Uh, So we actually physically, there's a child there. Uh, We know in another passage, he takes the child into his arms. He's holding a child. Uh, And the child might be probably even younger than Cynthia, probably a very young child, uh, pretty helpless uh, in Jesus' arms and says, you disciples need to be like this child. And specifically, he's saying, um, What is it about the child you need to be like? Uh, Whoever humbles himself as his child. That's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What? (laughs) Can you imagine the disciples at that moment? They had been really thinking hard about this. They're talking a lot about it. This totally is just like, what in the world are you talking about? In fact, what does he say? Unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter. The kingdom of heaven. That wasn't the question. The question was who's the greatest? The greatest. And he says, you know what? Unless you humble yourself like this child, you won't even enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Uh, their thinking was, was really off, wasn't it, here? <clears throat> Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So God's making it clear, uh, humility, and, and remember, like I said, it's interesting to think how Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem to go humble himself and to go die for the sins of the world as they were thinking about who was the greatest in this new kingdom, that, which they thought was about to come. Uh, all right, next verse, I would like someone else, could I have Tula come on up here and read a verse? Child in my name receives me. Matthew Excellent job. Give her a hand, everybody. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. He's just, Jesus is going totally down a different road than what they were thinking. Uh, and I can't I can't imagine what where their minds were going with this. Their minds were all, all place going somewhere else and Jesus is talking about humility and children and serving others receiving a child in my name what are you talking about Jesus aren't we talking about great people I mean isn't this going to have to do with other things and he's saying uh you really need to change your thinking here humility whoever receives one such child Uh, Here we're talking about service and receiving children uh, who are often overlooked. When you think of the greatest among a certain group of people, do you think of the little children in the crowd? Uh, You really don't. And receiving one of them, he says, I care about these children so much. You receive one of them, one of these little ones you usually overlook. You receive them, you serve them, you focus on them, and uh, it's the same as doing it to me. And if you want to be great in God's kingdom, would serving Jesus and being close to him, would that be a good thing? Probably. And he says, if you do this to one such child in my name, uh, it's like you're receiving me. Uh, That's how we serve him. Uh, Interesting. Just a very different way than what they were thinking. What is it about children? Uh, Do we need to be like children in every way to get into the kingdom of God? Well, no, the Bible does say we want to move on to maturity as Christians. There's things we should be growing in. uh, But there are things about children we can learn from. Uh, And specifically, he mentions humbling yourself like a child. A child, and the younger and younger you go, the more they rely on their parents. They rely on other people for everything. Um, And maybe that's what we need to be like. We need to rely on our Heavenly Father for everything. Uh, Realize that we're really helpless uh, without him. We need him every day, every minute of the day, uh, for everything that we do, like a child. And uh, that's really humbling to admit that, to admit uh, that you're a sinner and you've messed up, to admit that you can't do everything uh, and you need someone else. You desperately need someone else to help you out of that situation. Uh, Well, that's humbling yourself like a child and realizing you need him. Many other things about children we probably could learn uh, children aren't perfect, by the way, right? <laughs> Not in every way. Uh, but uh, they have faith. They tend to have more faith than adults do. People often come to know Christ as their Savior more when they're younger than when they're older. Uh, statistics just show that. Um, they tend to believe things, uh, are willing to believe God more than when you're older and you have all sorts of other things. Uh, I've been thinking about this passage for you know a couple months now. In general, I kind of think adults, we kind of complicate things. We kind of have all sorts of, you know, things going on, and children just seem a little more simple. Uh, Things seem a little more simple uh, to them. I've been thinking about that and just kind of watching children as I've been studying this, and life just seems a little simpler with them. Maybe we complicate things a little too much. And I must say, as I was studying this, uh, it's a long passage. There's a lot of deep things in here, and I was really trying to dig deep. And I, and at some point in time, I realized, I feel like I'm kind of complicating all this. The whole point of what I'm teaching here is about being like a child. Uh, maybe I need to move on and keep it simple here. <laughs> Moving on. Verse 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck, and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Whoa. That's pretty a uh, pretty serious statement there, isn't it? Uh, Jesus says, now one thing we need to figure out here, one thing that can get confusing is, is he talking about physical children during the whole passage, or is he talking about uh, something else? Verse 5 said, whoever receives one such child in my name, uh, one such child. Is this talking about a physical child? Or is this a child of God? Uh, Someone who believes. And what kind of makes us think of that is verse 6. Verse 6 says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me. Notice it's not just a child. It's someone who believes in me. If we go back and think about what Jesus said. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, you have to be like a child. Humble yourself like a child, which means in God's eyes, you are like a child. Uh, In a way, we are children of God. When God looks at us, uh, we are like children uh, to him. And he's our heavenly father and we're his children. So, verse 6, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble... I do think, considering all that, I do think he's talking about believers, Uh, everyone. It says who believes in me. I think anyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, who's a true believer, um, they are uh, one of these little ones. We are little ones in God's family. Whoever caused one of these to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea wow, it would be better for that person to die than to go on causing God's people to stumble. Does God take this seriously, uh, causing believers to stumble? One of his little children, he loves his children so much, he does not want them to sin. And if there is someone that is causing them to sin in some way, he said it is better for that person to die a horrible death. You know, this is one of those statements where if Jesus didn't say it, I'm not sure I would, (laughs) but he said it. Uh, How can that be true? Well, I think the idea probably here is that if a person is continually causing other people to sin, God's children, who he doesn't want to sin, and they're causing that, the more and more they do it, the more wrath they are building up on themselves. And if if that was cut off and if they died now... Uh, that's less wrath uh, that they would they have to go through in the future. That's all I can think of there, that what he's talking about. But it shows how much he loves his children. He loves his little ones. And if you're one of his children, you are are one of his precious little children, and he loves you and wants to protect you. And if anyone does anything to you, causes you harm or causes you to, to be stumbling here, to sin, uh, he takes that very seriously, and that needs to stop. Verse seven goes on. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. Woe to the world. The world is not. Uh, the world is not our home, is it? Uh, if you're a Christian living a godly life, uh, the world is not really going to help you with that. Uh, the world is often against uh, the things that are true. And right, uh, just look in the news lately. Have you seen that in the news at all uh, lately? Uh, the world is against the things of God, and uh, they're they're not going to help us, and they might be co- causing us to to stumble to sin. We have to watch out for that. We have the world, the flesh, our own our own selves, our own, our own sin, nature, and dealing with that. And we have to uh, think about that. That's another reason we humble ourselves before God and ask Him for help. And he can help us there. And the devil and uh, the demons are out there. The world, the flesh, and the devil uh, are out there. There are stumbling blocks all over the place. But God takes those. He says they're going to come. But he takes those very seriously. And he says, woe to that man through whom the stumbling blocks come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. It is better for you... Is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be cast into the eternal fire. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out and throw it from you. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be cast into the fiery hell. Again, these are some very serious verses. Uh, And I have to think back. The whole start of this whole thing was a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus answers, tells him you got to be like a child. You need to humble yourself and woe to people who cause other people to sin. Why is he telling them that in response to this question? Uh, maybe he's seeing that there's a problem here. Maybe, uh, really, they're thinking about who's the greatest. Maybe that was leading to sin and even causing others to sin or something like that. Uh, so he hits on this very, very seriously. He says here, your hand or your foot causes you to stumble cut it off and throw it from you wow better for you to enter life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet and be cast into eternal fire he's saying do something serious if there is sin in your life if there is sin going on do something serious to get rid of it uh now is he saying you really should cut off your foot to your hand uh in response to this? Well, if we look at his other teachings and the other teachings in the Bible, I would say no, he's not saying you actually cut it off. In fact, a couple chapters earlier in Matthew 15, Jesus pointed out that what is the cause of sin in your life? It starts in your heart. In your heart. It doesn't start in your hand. In fact, can your hand cause you to sin? He says if your hand causes you to sin, can your hand cause you to sin? Doesn't it start in your heart and your mind and then it goes? He's saying whatever uh, is causing that, well, do something about it. Do something serious about it to get that sin out of your life. He mentions the eternal fire and fiery hell here. And in the previous verse, he talked about hanging a heavy millstone around someone's neck and throwing them into the the seed. Is this serious stuff we're talking about here? Jesus talked about hell. He talked about eternal punishment here. And he's saying it's because of sin. And uh, so we need to take sin very seriously. Now, if we just read these verses here, 7 through 9, out of context, it sounds like it's just talking about in your own life. And uh, I think it is, and we definitely need to deal with sin in our own lives, take it very seriously. And ask God for help with this. But in the context, we were just talking about causing other people to sin. And maybe that's part of this too. If you're, what could cause other people to sin? Well, I think actually it's often when someone sins and they make a look all right, and that might even cause other people to sin too. Uh, the sin goes hand in hand. So he's saying, you stop it, and I might be leading other people, and we already know that God takes that very seriously. So. In all these situations, sin is serious and we need to do, take drastic measures to stop doing that and realize God takes that very seriously. Verse 10, I would like to have someone else come come on up. Thomas, can you come on up? see that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say that to their angels in heaven, continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Good job. Give him a hand, everybody. (coughs) All right, very good. See, you do not despise one of these little ones. Again, the little ones. Who are the little ones here? Um, From what I read... uh, Two commentaries, and I heard a message on this, and they all, one of them said this surely is just talking about Christians, one of them said it's talking about children, and one pointed out that the way it's written, Jesus is almost purposely trying to, to make you, to make it kind of confusing. Is he talking about little children? Is he talking about adults that believe, and we're God's little ones? And it seems to me like he's just kind of talking about both of them, uh... But uh, surely we can say we're children in God's eyes, um, and so I think it would be talking about all believers here. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, any of God's children. How do you despise one of God's little ones, one of his children? Well, uh, you you could, <clears throat> you look down upon them, uh, you consider that they have no value, Uh don't talk to them you don't hang around them you stay away from them that could be a way of despising treating them harshly we kind of think of that but but we probably don't do a lot of that but maybe we do a lot of just uh, staying away from certain people Uh, maybe we just consider without thinking about it some people have less value than others well that's terrible uh we shouldn't think that at all why because god considers them to have huge value and that's what he points out here One of the reasons is, and by the way, remember the whole context here, who's greatest in God's kingdom? Well, God, Jesus is kind of saying, well, these little ones are great. And let me tell you a reason why. Because their angels in heaven continually see the face of my father who is in heaven. We read in the Bible, angels, uh, they're ministering spirits sent uh, to help out believers, those who will inherit salvation. Angels are actually here to serve us believers, which is an amazing thing. And these angels we're talking about, they are in the presence of God. Uh, And they come and they help us. Does that give us a pretty high position? Uh, If the very angels who are powerful amidst God and they are before God and they come and help us out, like serving us, God is saying that these people have worth. Everyone has worth. Anyone who believes, uh, any of these believers, these little ones, maybe even someone who you don't think has much worth, well, God says they do. And uh, one thing that shows that is the fact that he has ministering spirits helping them out. Angels. Some people see uh, the idea of a guardian angels here. Uh, I don't know that that's saying it. It seems like the point of this passage is the worth of the person. That's really what we're focusing on. Not a passage explaining about what angels do. Uh, But if you see guardian angels there, maybe maybe it is there, maybe it isn't. Not sure. But the point is the worth of the little ones. And we need to make sure we're not despising anyone, anyone of God's little children. He loves them. He cares for them. We should too. We should not despise them. Verse 11 says, for the son of man has come to save that which was lost. Uh, some old manuscripts don't have that verse in it. Some do. Not sure if it should be there or not. If those words sound familiar to you, though, they actually are. Those same words are also in one of the other Gospels. So we know the idea is true. Not sure if that's supposed to go right there or not. Verse 12. Could I have one more person come on up and read this? Abby, where are you? think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety nine on the hills and go look for the one that wandered off? Excellent job. Give her a hand. All right, so we have the idea of a shepherd here. A man has a hundred sheep. One of them wanders off. He's going to leave the 99 and go and look uh, for that sheep. A shepherd cares for the sheep. That's a great picture we see in the Bible. And, you know, it's a great picture, but I was listening to a message, and he was pointing out this isn't amazing. It's just common, everyday stuff. If a parent, (coughs) the preacher said, I have four kids. If uh, we called everyone to dinner and three of them came and we couldn't find the other one, what are we going to say? Well, you know, three out of four isn't bad. Uh, it's okay, It's fine, let's just go with it. Uh, No, of course not. A parent loves their children. If one of my kids were lost, I would go look for them. (laughs) I care about them. And uh, I would keep looking until they're found. And I probably would do just about anything I could uh, to find them. It's just common. It's what parents do Uh, that love their children. Verse 13, if it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the 99, which have not gone astray. If I had a kid that wandered off and, and I had to go look for them and I found them, they'd be rejoicing. I would be so happy, uh, relieved. They would probably be happy. I would be happy. The whole family would because of that one that was lost and is now found. Verse 14, so it is not the will of your father who is in heaven, the one of these little ones. So we find out here that this uh, this idea of the shepherd leaving the others and going and finding the one astray is really a picture of God, Uh, not the will of your father in heaven. Have you noticed how many times the word heaven is in this passage? Uh, I mentioned earlier Jesus did talk about hell, but he talked about heaven a lot more. And the whole idea is, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Maybe that's not the question we should be asking ourselves. Maybe we should just be in awe of Jesus Christ, the king of heaven, the one who left heaven, uh, the shepherd who left the others, who left heaven, a wonderful (laughs) place to come to earth and come find those who had strayed. The Bible tells us we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Really, the, the picture here is of 99 that didn't stray. If, we, if we're talking about humans here, well, how many humans haven't strayed? How many humans have never sinned? <clears throat> we've all sinned. Actually, we're all the strays, aren't we? Uh, we're all the ones that had run our own way. Uh, we've all, like sheep, gone astray, each one through his own way. But the shepherd left heaven. Uh, was willing to leave the cupboards of heaven and come. Did he come uh, thinking about who's the greatest here on earth? Well, he came and he was willing to serve. He humbled himself. Uh, does Jesus know what it's like to humble yourself like a child? Kind of. I was quite excited when I had this thought here. Uh, does Jesus know anything about becoming like a child? <laughs> he became one. He physically went through this. Creator of the earth, he became a baby. Uh, He was a baby. He cried and couldn't move, and his mother had to hold him and feed him, change his diaper and everything else. He knows what it's like to humble himself. Uh, He knows all what it's like. He knows what it's like to be a shepherd who has lost a sheep, and he's willing to do anything to come look for that sheep and to save them. We have a wonderful heavenly father. If you've humbled yourself before him, uh, asked him to forgive you, admitted uh, that you're not perfect, that you're a sinner, asked him to forgive you and you believe in him, you're one of his children. You're one of his little ones. And he cares for you deeply. Uh, He gets very upset when others try to stumble you. Uh, And you're in his kingdom. He's that shepherd who's willing to do anything for you. And even if you stray, he's willing to, to go take off and go find you and bring you back and he rejoices uh, when those people come back who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven that was the question the disciples had did jesus give them a simple answer (laughs) i imagine they thought a lot about it maybe uh, they stopped discussing and arguing amongst themselves was it peter was it john Uh, maybe they started thinking you know maybe our thinking's wrong here Uh, maybe we need to like start serving other people uh, and start doing some other things maybe have a different outlook on everything you know a neat thought too here is who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven it's all about humbling yourself is what jesus said humble yourself like a child the really neat thing there that's kind of exciting when, Jesus, uh, when they asked who's the greatest, did Jesus say, no, there's no one that's greatest? He didn't say that. He did say you can be the greatest in heaven. How do you do it? Humble yourself. Is there any one of you in this room who couldn't humble yourself? Anybody can. Doesn't matter what college you've been to. Doesn't matter how old you are, what your background is, what your family is. Anybody, doesn't matter your age, if you're a man or a woman, uh, it means none of that. Anyone can humble themselves. Anybody can. Anyone at all. Even if you don't even know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, you could humble yourself right now and admit to God you're a sinner and ask for forgiveness. And you just became great in the kingdom of God. That's greatness in the kingdom of God. Humble yourself today like a little child. Uh, And God, God knows that he will see that. And that's a great thing to do in the kingdom of God. And anybody can do it. It is your choice uh, today. Let's pray. God in heaven, we thank you for these words of Jesus. Uh, Help us to take them seriously. Help us to humble ourselves before you. Thank you that we can be in your family. We can be your little children and that you love us very much and care for us, Lord. Help us not to cause anyone else to stumble. Help us not to despise other people, Lord. Help us to do things in our life to make sure uh, that sin isn't happening, and help us stay close to you, Lord. And uh, we pray that we would all uh, humble ourselves like children in your sight. Help us to do this in Jesus' name.